We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Home and home. All right, some betting tips for the Super Bowl. Everybody needs them. Best prop bets, best bets. Where's the money going? Should you bet the over on the Kansas City San Francisco Super Bowl on Sunday. We are, what, 13 hours? Uh, we're, we're getting close. Three hours, 15, three days, excuse me, 15 hours away from Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to talk about the best and the worst all-time halftime shows of all time. What makes a great halftime show? It was last year, the stinker of all time. Certainly ranks up there for me. We'll talk to Brian Moylan, pop culture writer and expert on all things halftime show related. Also, what matchup will define Super Bowl 54? What's the most important matchup on the field? And what about if coaching decides this game, then who wins? We'll talk to Steve Palazzolo, pro football focus here on a hump day, home and home at radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Jason Mertitis, radio.com Master of none, but utility man joining us as Ross Tucker makes his way back from Miami. Uh, so you got some money straight up. You love that Chiefs spread. I'm seeing it at both one and one and a half. What about the over? I think the over right now, most popular bet since 2003 on a playoff game. Which tells me the under is going to slam. <laughs> when the public goes so heavy on something, they're usually wrong. But I don't want to be there on my couch on Super Bowl Sunday and rooting for the under. Like, rooting for the defense is – it's like you're a communist. You know what I mean? Who doesn't want points on Super Bowl Sunday? So I, I'm going to root for the over. I think the over has a chance, even though the public's all over it. Uh, but I'm going to go Casey in the over. And the one to me is is baffling. I know the San Francisco defense is really good, but I just can't see them – containing the KC offense. So I, I love Kansas City in the game. I think they win by double digits. It's very rare that Super Bowls are that close. And where all right, let's it's a one point. Let's game. ask an expert about all this. Danny Parkins, you better you bet. Quick hit here. Danny, great to have you on the show. What do you make of Jason Martita's prediction that the Chiefs win by double digits? I hope he's right because I have him at eleven to one to win the Super Bowl from early in the season. So I uh, I am rooting for Jason to be right. Listen, I I think that this game is the proverbial toss up. It's you know two great offensive coaches, two teams that are rolling. My favorite stat uh, for this Super Bowl is an easy one, and I just think it's very counterintuitive to a lot of the narratives that you're hearing nationally about the game. And it's that the Niners have scored more points than the Chiefs this season, and the Chiefs have allowed fewer points than the Niners. You, to hear people talk about it, all you're hearing about is the front seven and all the first-round picks on the defensive line for the Niners and how they're a little bit more conservative with their running game. And the Chiefs, it's a bend but don't break defense and their high-powered offense. But you can really flip that narrative on your head when you say, man, 
The Niners have scored more than the Chiefs, so we know they can be explosive. They hung 48 on the Saints in the Superdome. And the Chiefs, since they've gotten healthy with Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who were both injured, they added Terrell Suggs, Honey Badger got healthy. Their defense since Week 10, Week 11, has been one of the best in the NFL. So I, I don't really have a great read on how this is going to go. Like a one-point, one-and-a-half-point spread for the Chiefs because they're a little bit more of a public team with Pat Mahomes. Honestly, that feels right to me. There's no way this will get to a three-point spread in either direction. Great stuff there from Danny Parkins. You better you bet that the Chiefs have allowed fewer points in San Fran, and San Fran has scored more than the Chiefs. That both numbers stun me. Give us a prop bet you're interested in and why, and we'll weigh in here. Well, so everyone tries to go for more exotic prop bets and longer odds, and I totally understand that. It's fun. A lot of casual bettors just make their first and only bets of the year on the Super Bowl, but I never, you know, don't look the gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. I'm never turning away free money. Anyone who played fantasy football this year and tried to figure out, hey, I want a piece of the San Francisco 49er running game. You had Tevin Coleman. Someone else had Matt Breda. Someone else had Raheem Mostert. And you never know who's going to get the most carries in a given week. Who are you going to start until now? It literally took 19 weeks to get here because Tevin Coleman is hurt. Breda has been hurt and has no longer been effective, and Mostert had the breakout game of his life in the NFC Championship game. There is no way Raheem Mostert is not getting 20 carries in this game. There is no way that Kyle Shanahan is going to abandon the running game. You know that he wants to run, 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 so he doesn't have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo, and the best weapon for the Niners is keeping Pat Mahomes on the sideline. So everyone tries to look for the first touchdown in the game. Feel free, have some fun. But if you bet $135, you win 100 if you just say that Raheem Mostert will score a touchdown at any point in the game. You could do the same thing for Damian Williams on the Chiefs side if you want to, because he's got four touchdowns in two playoff games and also had two touchdowns in Week 17. You know, Shady McCoy, Darwin Thompson, they're not involved anymore in the Chiefs running game. Like We finally have some clarity for these two offenses at running back. You could bet $110 to win 100 on Damian Williams to score, or you could bet 135 to win 100 on Raheem Mostert to score. More so than the spread, more so than the over-under. These are basically straight wagers, even money propositions. Just bet that the running backs will score a touchdown at any point in the game, and you're basically getting even money. I love both of those prop bets. Hmm. Do, do you like combining the two? A running back so you can on co- each side? Yeah, so you can combine the two on some sites and maybe get like plus one ten, bet a hundred bucks to win one ten, bet yeah. ten bucks to win eleven, that sort of thing. So you can do that. And I, the only reason that I would be a little hesitant to do that is the chief side of the equation, because I guess it's possible that Pat Mahomes throws for you know four touchdowns, or they run it to uh, Tyreek Hill down near the goal line, or Pat Mahomes takes it in. Like it's it's in play that the Chiefs do not have a conventional rushing touchdown. Now Damian Williams has had multiple receiving touchdowns. I think mean, he's got two receiving touchdowns in his last three games, so he can get into the end zone that way. But I would just bet each of them separately. But my favorite bet of the entire board is Raheem Mostert to score. I, I see no scenario where the Niners play a competitive game and Raheem Mostert doesn't get into the end zone. That is a tremendous bet. I cannot believe it's virtually the same ads as that first touchdown, which, as we've revealed here, is a sucker's bet. Danny Parkins, that's the kind of stuff you get on You Better You Bet, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock 
on the radio.com app. Great to have you, my friend. You just made us some free money. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. No, it's all, it's awesome coming on the show. And if I could give a PSA to all the yeah. first-time gamblers out there, okay? This is the I will bet on anything in the Super Bowl. It, it, the Super Bowl, as the, as the cliche goes, it is the Super Bowl of gambling because you can bet on everything from how many planes will be in the flyover before the game, length of national anthem, to the color of the Gatorade bath, to what hairstyle J-Lo will have. You can bet on everything, and I will bet on everything. But the one thing I will not bet on, on any sports site or with any bookie, is the coin toss. And let me tell you why. It's not that I won't bet on the coin toss at all, but you got to bet on the coin toss with someone at your Super Bowl party. Bet with your wife, bet with your girlfriend, bet with your buddy who you're watching the game with because you can give yourself even money. If you go to some of these websites, they want you to lay 15 cents on the dollar on a 50-50 proposition. It's outrage. It's an outrage, and it's highway robbery. So if you think it's going to be heads and your buddy thinks it's going to be tails, don't give the bookie your vig. Just take each other's money the old-fashioned way, how God intended. That's the way I like to do it. I like to bet bottles of booze, and so I've got a $100 bottle uh, bet with Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, that's the way I roll, too. I like the bets at home in person. That's a great PSA from Danny Parkins. Our PSA is to listen to You Better You Bet on the radio.com app, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Great stuff, my friend. Appreciate it. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you guys so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Anytime. Let's do it again. You're the man, Danny. Love to have you back anytime. I can't remember uh, just being blown away by a stat as much as when Danny started that with the Chiefs have allowed fewer points, Jason, and San Francisco has scored more points than Kansas City. I would have said both of those were false. That's the perception, right, that Kansas City scored a ton more than the 49ers, and the 49ers have given up less. No, that's not the reality of the situation, but that's the perception. And that's the kind of like detailed info you get from You Better You Bet. Those are the kind of things and, you need to know when you're plunking your money down, right? And we'll talk about it with Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus shortly. But right now we go from on to off the field in what some feel like is the main draw of the Super Bowl. Not the commercials, of course, the halftime show. What are the best? What are the worst of all time? And this is Super Bowl 54. Let's talk about it with writer, pop culture writer and expert Brian Moylan, who has ranked all the halftime shows. Brian, great to have you on the show, my friend. Before we get to the best, what to you is like the stinker of all time halftime shows and why? I thought last year was pretty brutal. Last year was pretty brutal, but in the year 2000, um, Disney, the Super Bowl was on ABC, which is owned by Disney. And so Disney used the halftime show to advertise something that at the park they were calling like the Millennium Performance. And it was like a Cirque du Soleil ripoff. And they had Phil Collins and some other people singing these original songs from this thing that no one had seen before. And it is awful and befuddling and nobody had any idea what was happening and you have you know how many ever hundreds of millions of people watching this thing going what the hell is going on here so that is probably the all-time worst but maroon 5 was a uh close second it was a big flop um the one that i remember the most that sticks out to me is still prince that's got to be in the top three i'm assuming that's in your top three um, and then you lose yes. Prince a few years later, obviously, and it, it means even more. But where does that Prince one rank? And what was why was it so great? Was it the fact that it was raining and the theatrics of it and Mother Nature made it even more 
uh, kind of impactful? Absolutely. That on my list, you know, and we've been updating it every year as the sort of different shows come on. Prince is at number one, and I can't imagine anybody uh, toppling him. But what's funny is it came at a really weird time after 2004, where we had the famous Nipplegate, and the NFL was so worried about something like that happening again that they started bringing in all these dad rockers, like no one who's going to do anything offensive, like Paul McCartney, The Who, Bruce Springsteen, U2, things like that. And um, so you you see Prince coming in in the middle of that, and those often tend to be really boring performances where it's like the Rolling Stones come out and do three hit songs and then go away. But there was something about it raining, the theatrics of it. I mean, Prince just being an amazing performer, an amazing songwriter, and just really being able to hold the stage and hold the national attention sort of on his own in a way that I don't think anyone will ever be able to duplicate. You've got Beyonce number three, Madonna number two. One of the halftime shows I can never forget, but I'm curious where it ranks. I don't know if it was good or bad. Katy Perry and the Sharks, left shark, right shark, whatever it was. Where does that rank? That's up near the top two. And I think that, you know, that is in the era after. So we had all these dad rockers and then it got boring. And so then in 2011, thanks to the black IPs of all people, they decided to take a more modern approach. And so we, we have kind of the shows that we see now where you'll have a bunch of different groups, huge spectacle, a lot of things happening, you know, people flying from the sky and drones and all that craziness. And so I think that Madonna, Beyonce, Katy Perry are all like three of those um, type shows. And I mean, it's really picking from the best between those three. I mean, the only reason why I would choose a Madonna over Beyonce, for instance, is because Madonna incorporated a lot of different acts and a lot of different influences, whereas Beyonce literally was dancing on a sort of enormous version of herself. It was kind of all about her. Well, it always is all about her. Um, let me ask you this. Yeah. <laughs> a, a good Super Bowl halftime performance, what can it do for the career of that artist? If it's a younger person like Katy Perry or some right. of the younger artists, obviously the Rolling Stones are legendary, Bruce Springsteen, legendary U2 had some of the bigger ones. But when you talk about somebody like Maroon 5, was that a missed opportunity last year? I mean, I don't really think so. It's sort of like the Oscar host. It's kind of a thankless job in that, it's not like anyone's going to watch the Super Bowl and say, oh, I never heard of this Lady Gaga girl. I'm going to go out and buy me one of her albums. Like The reason why you're performing at the Super Bowl is that these people are so super popular that's going to please the largest possible audience. I mean, so for someone like Maroon 5, um, all you can do is screw it up and lose. <laughs> you know, It's not like if you do a good job, you're going to get more popular. You can only get less popular. It might be a benefit to somebody like uh, Madonna brought out MIA, for instance, who is somebody who probably isn't well-known in the mass culture. And so she might benefit from the publicity a bit. But when you're talking about headliners, like it's not going to make J-Lo any more famous. I mean, she's already J-Lo. Talking to Brian Moylan, pop culture writer and expert. What do you think of the choice of J-Lo and what are your expectations? Um, well, the funny thing about JLo is she's a huge star, but she doesn't really have a lot of hit songs. So I don't know how people are going to react to it. Shakira, I mean, is huge, especially with the Latin population. She has a lot of great songs, some of which aren't in English. And I think it being in Miami, it's a really great choice. 
huge uh, Latino population to have stars that are going to appeal to that demographic. But uh, how that's going to carry in, you know, Green Bay Packers territory, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian, because when you said that, I thought of Jennifer Lopez songs. Only one comes to my mind, and I'm not a real music expert, and it's Jenny on the Block. And, and of course, Hips Don't Lie with Shakira. Name for me another J-Lo hit. J-Lo's probably biggest hit is Waiting for Tonight, which was like oh, yeah. 2000, 2001. And I mean, Jenny from the Block, everybody knows because it has her name in it, but I mean, you couldn't <laughs> even sing the chorus if I asked you to. So yeah, I think that's why it's a really interesting choice. But you know, as I was getting ready for this, I was thinking that, you know, the Super Bowl is like the Patriots versus the Dolphins or whomever. It's like two teams against each other. What if it was Shakira versus Jennifer Lopez? Like, what if there was a winner at the end? I mean, that Ooh, might be a little bit booty. more exciting. <laughs> okay. See, Brian Moylan just laid down the booty challenge. That has to happen. Super Bowl Sunday <laughs> in Miami. The booty down will be the halftime show. Brian, appreciate it. Check out his work on Vulture. They've got the top Super Bowl halftime shows all time. And yes, it is. Prince 2007 reigning supreme. Great to have you on the show, Brian. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the booty down on Sunday. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll dive back into the actual football game. Steve Palazzolo, profootballfocus.com. Best information analysis anywhere out there, whether it's college or pro football. Steve's going to tell us what the one most important matchup on the football field is come Sunday. Pro football focus after a break. But first, a word from our friends at Zip Recruiter. Hiring is challenge. It is brutal. It is annoying. It is a frustrating process. Unless, of course, you go to ZipRecruiter. They take all the frustration, all the pulling your hair out, out of the equation, and they make it easy. They make it streamlined. And you can do that for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. The powerful matching technology ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the site through the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's a hit, just like J-Lo. Uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. They are the smartest way to hire Steve Palazzolo, pro football focus from Miami after a quick break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, what one matchup is the most important on the football field come Sunday? We are three days, 14 hours away from Super Bowl Sunday and no better place to turn to for information and analysis on this game and on the upcoming draft class than Pro Football Focus. Check them out, pff.com. It's a hump day, home and home here on radio.com, Sports Original. Check us out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire, but the smartest way to break down any and all NFL or college games is to go to pff.com i'm dave briggs i'm in connecticut jason mertitis radio.com master of all in the universe he is in philadelphia and our good friend steve palazzolo pro football focus he's down in miami where else would he be for the super bowl steve good to have you on the program what is the scene down there in miami how does this one differ from super bowl's past uh there's no food did ross complain about the food enough (laughs) With the, you know, of this course, is, uh, there's there's no food down here for the media. That's that's the biggest takeaway. Other than that, it's a good it's a good buzz. Everybody's previewing the game. Everything, everybody's expecting a good game. I think is the is the great part of it. It's two great teams, and it should be an awesome matchup. But the poor media folks over here are hungry. We can't find food anywhere. Well, at least you're not in Minneapolis again. I missed that one, so I can't imagine. Was that just freezing cold? I imagine. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I missed that one. All right, let, let's get into the matchups then, since you, you poor media folks, you know, you and your no food. Um, tell me, Steve, what to you is the one most important matchup on the football field, the one you think will determine a winner on Sunday? Yeah, I think it definitely has to be the Mahomes versus the Niners defense. It's a, it's a big matchup. It's the entire side of the ball. But, you know, that's the story, right? The Chiefs almost certainly have to win. Uh, through the air and the Niners defense, the most improved defense in the NFL, the number one coverage grade by PFF standards. They can get after the quarterback uh, from a pass rush standpoint. So I think that just overall Mahomes spreading the ball around to Tyree kill Travis Kelsey. Does he find another unsung hero like a Sammy Watkins or a me Hardman? I think that entire side of the ball um, is going to be huge. I think that's the one everybody wants to talk about because it is such a strength against strength matchup. Richard Sherman, the pass rush for the Niners, it's, it's going to be a great one. When you look at this game, do you recall any Super Bowls in recent history where you have two tight ends of this magnitude, uh, guys that really can help control their offense and are such weapons when you look at Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and what they can provide to this game? This may be the best tight end matchup I can recall in the history of, of the NFL, at least in, in my time really paying close attention to it. No, it has to be. I mean, Gronk in 2017 against Zach Ertz, maybe, just because Gronk was so special. But, I mean, we're talking about now that Gronk's gone, the two best tight ends in the league and Kittle and Kelsey. Kittle's a little bit better all around, and that makes him um, such a great fit for Shanahan's scheme, who likes to use him as a traditional old-school tight end in the run game, but it can also deploy him all over the field. And then, of course, with the Chiefs, they're going to put Kelsey everywhere to kind of create those mismatches that they're looking for, uh, especially in the red zone. So, um, there is nothing like uh, uh, an elite tight end to just make the quarterback's job easier and make an offense uh, move the ball. And, you know, they truly are the quarterback's best friend just because they create easier throws. They catch 75% of their 
their targets because of the way um, they can get open against, you know, smaller safeties and corners and, and run away from linebackers. So, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And the way they're deployed on Sunday is just going to be uh, something to watch. The PFF grade agrees with Rob Gronkowski, who yesterday said, no doubt about it, George Kittle is the best yeah. tight end in the game. And, and, yeah, I think we all agree about that. Can the Niners win another game like the NFC Championship in which Jimmy Garoppolo throws the eight, eight times, or does he have to throw it 20 to 25 times to win this football game? Yeah, he might have to throw it a lot more than that. I mean, that was such an anomaly having him throw the ball only eight times. And I think a lot of people are so focused on that last thing that we saw and kind of forgetting that Garoppolo won a shootout in New Orleans against Drew Brees. You know, he he won, through the, uh, won the game through the air uh, against the Rams in a must-win situation in Week 16. He had a great game in Week 17 against Seattle in that other must-win game on Sunday Night Football. So uh, Garoppolo hasn't been great this year. I don't think he's been top-10 caliber, but that passing offense is putting up top uh, top five production as a passing offense, which is something, you know, you give credit to Shanahan and that scheme, the play action game. And then Garoppolo, I think is managing it. Well, very Hasselbeckian as I like to compare him <laughs> to Matt Hasselbeck who led the Seahawks to a, to a super bowl. So I think Garoppolo will have to make plays. I don't think we're going to see him throw the ball eight times. And um, if he does make plays though, that Niners offense is definitely going to be difficult to stop. The NFL's done everything it could over the past bunch of years, decade plus to, to make it a passing league keeping your hands off receivers yet what we've seen in the past couple of years and is the reemergence of the running back and we've seen that very prevalent in these playoffs you look around the league guys like Zeke Elliott uh, you look at Saquon Barkley in New York and with these how these guys can affect a game the running back is going to be a very impactful battle come Super Bowl Sunday as well yeah, and I think what you saw from Raheem Mostert in the NFC Championship, you know, obviously going to be tough to duplicate a, a four-touchdown performance. But I think what Shanahan has shown, the Shanahan family has shown that those running backs, it doesn't matter if it's Terrell Davis or a Mike Anderson or Devontae Freeman, uh, Alfred Morris, it doesn't really matter who the actual guy is. They scheme it up extremely well. They took that outside zone scheme, which is – really tough to stop when it's executed well they've added new wrinkles to it they use the Niners use more motion than any other team in the NFL so that creates space for guys like Mostert who are extremely fast so I think the schematics of the run game are as important if not more important than the actual guy carrying the ball so I think that's going to be the key to watch there and then Kansas City their run game is just you know if they have the lead in the second half they might hand it off a little bit it's still going to be a Mahomes show uh, much like it was the last few weeks whether they're behind or not, they need, they know they need to win the ball, win through the air. And they're, they're the most pass heavy team, you know, when it comes to early in the game, knowing that points come through the passing game. So I think on that side of the ball, you'll see them throwing. And on the other side, you'll try to see more balance from the Niners, but it's going to come down to, you know, that scheme and the run blocking up front to determine if Mostert has another big game. Talking to Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. Check him out right now. PFF Championship Sale, 30% off annual subscriptions. The best analysis, both college and pro football. On the surface, Steve, I look at this game similar to Super Bowl 36, in which the Pats stifled the greatest, uh, the greatest show on turf. Six years later, Super Bowl 42, Steve Spagnola, um, that Giants team stopped the 18-0 Patriots that could not be stopped that season with Randy Moss. And then six years after that, 
the Seattle Seahawks punched my Broncos in the face, 43 to eight in New York. Is it similar to you with that dynamic of high flying, high powered offenses against a more physical front seven, great defense and does defense win championships still? So, yeah, I mean, I definitely get that feeling of, you know, at, at the time it was like, who could stop the Rams? Who could stop the Patriots? Who could stop the Broncos? And then they, they did get slowed down. So you do get that feeling with the Chiefs, especially the way Mahomes is playing right now. I think the the idea that defense wins championships is, you know, it's actually less than we think. I think that, you know, how well the offense plays kind of dictates how good the defense looks more than anything else. So, um, I don't know that there's a clean game plan, so to speak, against Mahomes. If he misses throws, then the Chiefs are in trouble. If he keeps uh, remaining patient in the pocket like he was against Houston and Tennessee and finding the open man and not necessarily playing hero ball, then I don't know, no matter what happens with uh, the Niners, if they can slow down that Chiefs offense. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners came out and played a great game and you know shocked the world and held Mahomes to – 17 points or some low point total that we're not used to seeing from him. But I think over time, the offense is kind of still dictating the action. And we've seen that other than last year, we've seen that in recent Super Bowls too. We've seen a lot of points on the board and, you know, defenses kind of being at the mercy of how good some of these passing offenses have been. One thing you can't measure in the Super Bowl is the effect of being in the Super Bowl. Um, We've seen Andy Reid struggle late in games with time management issues in big situations, although he did get to a Super Bowl in the 04 season and the 2005 Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Um, so when you look at the effect the Super Bowl and being in the Super Bowl will have on these players and these rosters, who's better equipped to handle that kind of pressure and, and that stage that's going to be down in Miami? It's going to be a fascinating one because, you know, one of these coaches is getting that kind of stigma taken away, right? Shanahan 28 to three. And, you know, Reed, as you mentioned, never, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe being the best coach ever not to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, something's got to give here. I think um, it depends on how the, how they handle the most recent thing that they saw. If the most recent thing for Shanahan in his head is 28 to three, does he say, okay, now I need to run the ball. Or I can't pass it. Do they overcorrect, you know, maybe, some of those those previous issues that they've had with Andy Reid, does he try to sit on the ball a little bit too early? I think that's kind of been his his issue, you know, and it's easier, I think, when you have a Patrick Mahomes to say, okay, we're just going to keep our foot on the gas until this game's over and just continue to make first downs and put points on the board instead of getting too conservative if they have a fourth-quarter lead. So um, I think Andy Reid is kind of in that situation where he's, like, ready to learn from those mistakes. I think Shanahan is too, so it's going to be fascinating to see, but I'd lean toward Reed just having the situation to say, okay, forget the time management stuff, forget this run the clock. You know, we're going to put the ball, put the ball in Mahomes' hands and let him win it for us, even if you do have that fourth quarter lead. Talking to Steve Palazzolo, profootballfocus.com. Check them out, pff.com. Best receiving core in this game. Who is it? On the surface, you say it's easy Kelsey and Tyreek, but underrated receiving core have the Niners. Who do you has the best? total receiving core in this game so they're both awesome obviously but i just think you know so the niners they scheme it up extremely well but and they both do really but the chiefs i think are just so tough because kelsey's as unique of a guy to cover in the nfl and tyree kills probably the most unique guy to cover i mean it is scary anytime that guy is in space whether it's behind the line of scrimmage or whether it's down the field so i still go with the chiefs because uh you know you could deploy 
one-on-one coverage to at least contain an Emmanuel Sanders and a Debo Samuel and um, even Kittle to a point. You could play some zone. I don't know how you properly cover Tyree Kill plus Travis Kelsey and then, you know, Michael Hardman when he starts being used in motion and, you know, Sammy Watkins at least has to be respected. So I still think the Chiefs, um, and, you know, early in the year, Mahomes was missing a ton of throws. They could have put even more points on the board. That overall offense is just spectacular. So I have to give it to the Chiefs because of just how unique and difficult to defend those playmakers are. Richard Sherman, the number one graded cover corner on PFF right now this season. Do they move him around the football field and shadow Tyreek? It's not really in their nature to do that. And I yeah. also don't know, don't know if that's the best matchup. You know, Sherman's great against your bigger receivers. He's, I think, honestly, the Chiefs might want Tyreek Hill on Richard mm-hmm. Sherman. He is just spectacular, uh, you know, as far as getting off the line of scrimmage. He's got that deep speed. And at the very least, you know, Sherman's great at not getting beat deep, even if they just start running a whole bunch of comebacks against Sherman because of how, how much he has to respect the deep ball. I think Tyreek on Sherman could be an advantage for the Chiefs, as good as Sherman is. So I don't think the Niners go out of their way to maybe, uh, you know, create that matchup. I still think we'll see Sherman playing his spot, mostly at left corner. Hey, Steve, last one for me. When you look at this game in total, and you guys at Pro Football Field, you break down everything. You look at every individual matchup, positional matchups, every element of these games. But when you look at this game and look at each one of these teams in total, are we set up for a great, NFL Super Bowl championship game on Sunday? It, it should be. You know, Vegas has it like a one-point game or whatever it is. We pretty much have it in the same boat. Um, and that's, you know, that's not always common. You know, I think um, strength against strength, as we mentioned with the Chiefs offense, the uh, against the Niners defense, the Niners offense can obviously move the ball any which way. They've won, they've won games in different ways all season, which I think is also – a huge advantage going into this game. They've won games where they've just run it. They've won shootouts. They've won defensive struggles. They've won it all. So um, I think that's what makes it such a, a special battle. And um, I hope we're not disappointed, but I am expecting one of those epic fourth quarter types of games in this one. What's your prediction, Steve? Come on. I keep changing it everywhere I go, but I'll, I'll stick with the Chiefs. I'll stick with Mahomes making those plays down the stretch against that good Niners defense. I think points will be put on the board. I said the same thing last year. It was 13-3, to three, but I think you'll see a lot of points in this game. So we'll say Chiefs 31-24. 31-24, just barely the over. Last question is a tough one. Number one graded Super Bowl Sunday food. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday food. Yeah. I like ribs. I like ribs. Ribs are good. Anytime, really? So if you give me ribs on Super Bowl Sunday, that's what I'll that's what I'll have. Rib, wi- ribs and wings, and I'm good. I'm surprised to hear you say ribs. I mean, that is a real mess. Will you be at the Super Bowl? Or do you prefer being at home, focused on television? Yeah, I prefer being at home, and that's 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 definitely where I'll be. So I'll be watching the X's and O's as best I can, and uh, enjoying it from the comforts of the of the couch. No party, huh? Um, it, it depends. We'll see what happens. I got, I got a bunch of kids, so I'll probably have to stay home with them, put them to bed and uh, focus on the game. Oh man. Yeah. That's always difficult. Focusing with the kids. I got three, two, and I'll have to figure that out. Yeah. Steve Palazzolo down in Miami for the Super Bowl ribs, his number one graded Super Bowl Sunday food. And he's got the chiefs. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the time.
Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. PFF.com, 30% off uh, championship subscriptions. Yeah, I, ribs, dude. I mean, I love ribs. I freaking love ribs. But Super Bowl Sunday, you just I have the vision of getting that all over my hands, all over my face, trying to watch the game and clean my shit up. I think ribs, I do not want to see ribs on Sunday. Do you? No. Now, the wings can get messy. So you may have to go with the bib anyway. You may have to steal one of the old baby bibs out. But, no, I'm not going ribs. My number one may shock you, though. Yep, go. How about the seven-layer bean burrito dip that they put in, like, the it's... Pyrex thing? Yeah. With the sour That's cream, guacamole, refried bean. It's tremendous, and it doesn't get messy. It's really good. I'm going to top you, and it is also a dip, and it has to do with wings. And I don't know how how many people have had it, but buffalo chicken dip, oh. similar to your seven-layer dip. Now My wife it's, makes it all the time. Oh, it's going to kill you. I mean, yeah. it will literally give you a heart attack with all the blue cheese and, and or ranch and buffalo sauce. And oh, my God, if you get pulled chicken in there mm-hmm. and you can you can attack it with the chips or you can attack it with the celery and the carrots. You get a little bit of a little bit of health in there. I think that's my number one graded uh, Super Bowl Sunday food at PFF. You agree? That's it good sounds. Work. That, that That's a good one. And you got to have the variety of the spread. You have to have some smooth things and tangy, and you have to have some spicy and, and punchy things as well. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So we've got the millennials weighing in. Wings for the win. Hero sandwiches, yeah, that's sandwiches are okay. They don't impress me. Pizza is a standard. You have to have it. You have to feed the kids with it. But it's certainly not gonna, you know, not gonna make or break your Super Bowl party. You're not gonna be like, oh sweet, they have pizza. But if you show up and you got ribs, I guess Steve Palazzolo is happy. I am probably not. I definitely go for the buffalo chicken dip. We'll have to post my wife's recipe on Twitter and Instagram to spread the love. Speaking of food, I thought it was interesting yesterday. Saw a tweet from the folks at Lucky Charms that oh, both Lucky Charms and Cinnamon Toast Crunch will have ice cream coming out in the weeks and or months ahead. And I thought a couple of questions here. What cereal would make the best ice cream? And as we approach the cereal bowl, we got to have the cereal bowl off. What's the best cereal to you? Power rankings. Uh, Number one for me, cereal-wise, is Lucky Charms. It's phenomenal. You still go in when you pour your bowl, and then you always reach for a couple extra marshmallows because you feel like you want more marshmallows in it. But as far as one that you're going to make into an ice cream, what is it, Cookie Crisp? Remember that with, like, the little mini cookies? Like, you can't go Rice Krispies for an ice cream. That's not going to work. But a Cookie Crisp, that would work. Cookie Crisp would would be solid. Now, the only problem is those cookies might get, like, really frozen, and you might crack a tooth on that but i assume they can find a way to make those not too too hard too crunchy i think cinnamon toast crunch would actually be my number one so that's a good call i don't think lucky charms would make good ice cream myself i think it's a great cereal but only like one bowl every once in a while to me what makes a great cereal is something i can have each and every day and i can't do that with lucky charms because i have cereal every day so i would put cinnamon toast crunch Probably right there near the top. I would say anything cinnamon for me is pretty much number one. 
Um, I had a bowl of fruity pebbles the other day, bro. And you know, my kids eat fruity pebbles. I hadn't had one in probably 25 plus years. It was awesome. But again, I felt like it was a one and done thing. Like you can't have fruity pebbles each and every day. I, I guess that just when you're getting old, fruity pebbles are really good one off, but you can't have it every day. Well, with the fruity pebbles too, you got to eat it quick because it get, that's one that gets soggy really fast. So you got to eat that fast because it can't sustain being submerged in the milk for too long. You know what's a good one and would be actually a good ice cream as well is the Cocoa Puffs. I could Cocoa see Cocoa Puffs, Puffs integrated in a vanilla ice cream, and that would be nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it'd be that. I guess you'd have a little crunch, so it would differentiate mm-hmm. it from from chocolate ice cream. That that is a pretty good idea. What I like about anything cocoa cereal and i have like chocolate checks that i eat at home i'm gluten-free so i try to steer to the gluten-free cereals <laughs> sometimes i cheat some days i have cheat days but the great thing about cocoa pebbles cocoa puffs and of course chocolate checks is the chocolate milk bowl that's left at the end man yeah. like i take it like a little kid and i just drink up my chocolate milk that's left at the end it's a really nice treat there at the end I know what I'm going to get you for uh, a gift for your birthday or Christmas. They make the bowl that's got the straw built into the side of it. Have you seen this? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Describe this again. It's a cereal bowl, and it has a straw that's built right into the side of it, like here. And then when you're done your cereal, you just... And it sucks it right up. <laughs> I have like 10 of them. You do not. You do not own well, that. I have three I'm calling kids, bullshit. So. Yeah, so they they have the cereal. I don't sit there with the bowl, you know, but. Like me. I I wonder what leaves the best milk at the end. You're going to have to ask those three kids of yours. My kids don't usually drink the milk that's left. I wonder if it's the chocolate milk or I wonder if it is, dude, Apple Jacks leaves a tremendous milk. And, And the aforementioned Fruity Pebbles Oh, that's a bit of a treat there at the end because it really embraces all those sugary, fruity flavors. I'll go with like the cocoa, the cocoa pebbles or cocoa puffs or whatever. I like the chocolate. That's that's the best milk. All yeah. right, all right. We had a, we had a really in depth discussion on the cereal bowl that is coming this week. And Jason going out on a limb, he's taking the Chiefs by double digits. I'd like to make a bet with you, but. If I had to bet on this game, which I did with Kendrick Perkins, yeah, I have to go Chiefs. I just think, and here's as we close the program, my X factor is I think if you take all things out of the equation, say they can somehow shut down Tyreek Hill and some way shut down Travis Kelsey, this excellent Niners defense, and even they allow pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I think Nicole Hardiman, who runs a 4-3-3-40, could be a real X factor in this game. And it's almost like no one talks about Sammy Watkins, who has one of the fastest speeds on the season, 21.33 miles per hour next-gen stat on a 60-plus yard touchdown pass. I don't know how they're going to cover all those guys. I think Mahomes is going to find Hardman, and he's going to find Watkins, and those two might be the biggest factors in the game. Do you have an X factor before we close? Yeah, and I agree with that. And speed kills, and that's going to be a big part. The one guy that I got to look at that I'm going to be real interested to see how he plays, and I'm going to go away from the team that I'm picking, is I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. 
because what he did to that San Francisco defense this year, he changed so much. And it's so rare for a rookie to come in and do what he's done. I'm going to be real interested to see the impact that Nick Bosa has on this game from a San Francisco mm. standpoint and applying pressure to Mahomes. We saw in the beginning of that Tennessee game, they got pressure, and that limited the amount of damage that Mahomes could do. And then they went away from it. So if San Francisco can get it and sustain it, that's their only chance, in my opinion. So Nick Bosa is an X-Factor guy for me. I think at the end we'll be talking about the greatest postseason run by a quarterback ever because Patrick Mahomes will throw four touchdowns that will leave him with 12 this postseason and no interceptions, putting him above Montana and Flacco. Hard to believe this kid is so good so fast. That'll do it for us on a hump day. Ross Tucker back tomorrow. Steve Tasker, Buffalo Bills, great. We're going to have a little throwback Thursday looking for some past Super Bowl performances. Jason Martinez, great to have you on the show, buddy. Appreciate you pinch hitting today. We'll see you on a Thursday, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 